0: Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today I'm talking with Dylan Slocum of the band Spanish Love Songs. Spanish Love Songs released Brave Faces Everyone on February 7, 2020 via Pure Noise Records. Today on the pod we talked about the 2005 album The Sunset Tree by The Mountain Goats. As per usual, we went off topic and talked about a myriad of other things too. You know the drill by now. So, please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at spinningoutpod. You can send us an email at spinningoutpod at gmail.com. Also, if you want to hear me gab about my favorite albums and EPs of the year, please follow Behind the Vinyl podcast. You should follow that anyways. It's a really great podcast. I talk with Stephen and mike and warren about all of our favorite albums so instead of listening to it here i'll just say go check out that podcast so with that noted on to the episode
1: i Are you vegan, or do you simply enjoy good food delivered straight to your door? Then you should probably check out Nourish. Nourish offers culturally diverse, gluten-free, organic vegan food for meal delivery and catering, all while enriching their community, employees, and our planet. If you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can find them at nourishcharlotte.com. If you're in the New York area, check out nourishdelivered.nyc. Nourish yourself. You deserve it.
0: I guess when was the first time you heard this record?
2: I definitely wasn't cool enough to have heard it when it first came out, but I had an uncle. Uh, first, hi, by the way. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I just jumped right in. Yeah,
0: it's I tried like, to radio it into it. So I, I keep radio. trying, like kind of different intros for each one. Uh, I, like,
2: I like just jumping straight into it and being like, "Yeah, <laughs> this is it. we're here to talk about one thing and one thing only." Because um, I, <laughs> oh, I will ramble. Uh, I had an uncle. I still have an uncle. I don't know why I went past tense on him, uh, who is a huge Mountain Goats fan, and he's you know like my parents' age, um, which kind of speaks to the power and the longevity of the Mountain Goats. Uh, and he he had loved the Mountain Goats since like the early '90s or mid '90s, I guess, when he was when John O'Neill was doing the mixtapes um, or the boombox tapes or whatever. And uh, he had always talked about this band. And I was like, what a what a stupid name! Like, why would I love this band? Um, and At some point, it must have been, it must have been shortly after this came out, maybe 06, um, maybe like my last year of high school or something, I finally, somebody finally played me No Children off Tallahassee. And uh, because I feel like that's, if you're of a certain generation, that's probably the first Mountain Goat song you get played if you're like a young emo kid. Um, And somebody played me that and I was like, oh shit. This is amazing. Who is this? And they told me and I was like, "Oh, of course, of course." And then you know, the Mountain Goats have such a huge discography that I couldn't actually tell you how quickly I would have gotten to The Sunset Tree um if I would have at some point between 2006 and 2010 I discovered that particular album. Um but I can't I like there's so many things to get lost on like and they're such an easy band to like obsess over they would be like, I'm only going to, I, you know. And they're also an easy man to get tired of if you listen to too much mm. of it, I suppose. Um, like any band. I don't know. I burn out on bands pretty quickly. So we'll say circa 06 to 2010.
0: Yeah, I I feel like I, I'm as much later to them, but uh, I think I got into them just through John Worcester. Okay. Um, just kind of following him, but being like a super chunk in first uh, and then kind of like realizing at some point you know just seeing like band photos like oh John Worcester also plays in this band but I feel like there was like a point in my life where there were certain things that I sort of filed into indie rock I guess um, and then almost had an aversion to it for no reason at all.
2: Yeah, that, that's easy to do. I was like that with the Arcade Fire for a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I probably still have that aversion to Arcade Fire, but not for any, like, real reason. It just feels like it, like, almost like, I think it almost feels like it represents, like, every wedding I went to, like, for a few years, you know? Um, So it still kind of has that in my head, but I don't want to hold that against them.
2: And an appearance.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Their whole, yeah.
0: yeah yeah i mean but yeah but i mean i feel like there's tons of bands that probably have an appearance that you know i wouldn't be like this is my favorite you know it's it's almost like i mean i like tons of things that if i if i showed you the picture of them you know and be like you're not selling me on this you know so
2: i mean i mean that's just so funny because it it does show you how much image does matter even if you don't want it to um yeah i i still i try to fight that that gut feeling of like though that doesn't look like a band that i want to listen to and i think a lot of it has to come down to like either you're putting thought into it and you're choosing to look like that which makes me think you're doing a particular thing or you're not putting any thought into it which makes me think you don't care about your band yeah Yeah. that's a fine line to walk um yeah I yeah like I I have a feeling like if you showed me a picture of Imagine Dragons I'm not gonna be like hell yes I want (laughs) it right now
0: yeah um there it was I think it was like essentially around a point where I, I wouldn't say I was like only listening to like kind of fast punk and hardcore but it was so it was like the almost like the inverse of that but this specific record like when you brought up when you kind of brought up like this record like this is one i've spent the most time with. uh this is i think this might have either been the first mountain goats record i heard and it's really like the one i go back to the most uh specifically for just like certain songs Oh yeah, that kind of hit me on this one um and you know it also seems to i mean i feel like it's like a kind of fan favorite that you know kind of like still sticks around through them but also like Tallahassee a lot from this era Um, almost like the kind of post boomboxy area era that's still somewhat low-fi
2: I think this has to be considered their most popular I mean it has the big single on it you know what I mean yeah it has the song that they will play until the day they die so uh yeah I feel like I feel like that's yeah it's it's also maybe one of their more approachable records Yeah, you go from, like, All Hill West, Texas, which is maybe the one that I immediately kind of glommed on to. And then Tallahassee and this. Like, that run right there is just, like, to me, perfect. The perfect era of Mountain Goats. But, I, you know, people would argue otherwise. And, I mean, that's the great thing. I feel like they're a band that really doesn't care. But it is interesting that there is, like, maybe it's maybe it's you know the kind of circles that we run in i feel like this would be like the album for a lot of people uh if, in terms of the Ghost discography uh, with good reason like there's some it's a great album
0: yeah usually with a lot of these chats i um almost like try and avoid like a um like a track by track you know cuz it's it's like uh but with that said <laughs> i feel like this this record specifically um like it has I mean it has that kind of aspect where it'd be like, Oh, what about this song? You know some What's of it? them I feel like it's like you know it's like the album as a whole more so so speaks to me, and I'm so bad with like song titles, but I feel like I can pick things out a little bit more um I guess when you were saying like you know they'll forever have to play one of the songs, like are you referring to this year or a different track?
2: I'm referring to this year okay,
0: I, that's what I was assuming, but. You know, it's kind of like, you know, there, you know, it's like, I don't know like which one's kind of like, I've never seen mountain goats and I'm even though it's, I mean, it's been many years since I've started listening to this record, but it's like, I still don't really know the type of people that go to mountain goat shows. I mean, I assume it's just a wide swath of people that, you know, have English degrees.
2: So I, uh, I had never got to see them live until I was back in LA last year and we were about to start recording our album. And our friend Alex from the band typesetter was on tour with, they were doing merch for Lydia Loveless who was opening for uh, the mountain goats. And so they were like, do you want a ticket? Yes, please. Uh, and so Meredith and I went and it was like one of the best experiences and they played, my favorite song off this album which we can talk about uh which is like i don't consider it to be a like standard song to be played um and so they like they did that it was just like a perfect show but you said like a group of people with english degrees and i believe meredith looked and she's like this is the most npr crowd i've ever (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and yeah, like, I I think uh I think probably what got me turned on to them is around the time I, I'm not really sure like when they officially became like a merged records band um, but I think that's
2: probably where I would have started so kind of oh, yeah, mentioning make, the Carolina connection and like yeah. Yeah, to me that's like the the second era right of like yeah, like post boombox, the move to North Carolina stuff it's I mean what a long long freaking career that's so cool
0: yeah I was watching the uh, I think KEXB uh, before this you know before we were chatting um, and he was saying that he considers the band to have like three eras um, there's like the solo boombox era and then there's uh, you know might even get in more than three but you said when he met Peter which is the bass player and then um, I think like when he met John Worster, So it's like, that's like, it feels like that, everything past John Worster. I think
2: I heard that same thing in an interview. He's like, it's the solo era, the duo era, and then the the now quartet era, which is so yeah. Cool. I mean, and it's great because it's, it's great to see a band just adapt so much and still be relevant and great and possibly more popular than ever. Like talking almost 30 years later, <laughs> I always tell, I always tell people that we work with, you know, like booking agents or something. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to like model our career chasing after what anybody's doing, but I would love to be the mountain goats. Like in terms of, (laughs) I want to be here in 30 years playing like a thousand cap room. Like to me, that's just a fun, good life. Like that's something to aim for. Not like, I don't know. I, I, I always pose this question of like, would you rather be like the biggest band on earth for a year or play to a thousand people every day until you're like 60?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I would prefer that. There's also like, there's, it's almost like something that happens with not really this type of band, but it's like when a band's been around for a while, um, uh, I guess we'll just call them a rock band or, you yeah. know, uh, they seem to kind of like settle into the idea of like you know like a piano player, you know, and then like almost just like you could it you could imagine it playing at a brewery, but they don't really like lean into that you know and you know there's like it's it's not technically americana, but you know i i could I could see them playing with like old ninety sevens or you know Wilco but it's not it i think it's mainly that it doesn't it touches on those things but it doesn't kind of lean into like the folk side of
2: it No, i think it's way more i think the reason that it's so big amongst people that i know is that it's a lot more like i hate saying this word but like punk Mm -hmm. like it's definitely a certain attitude and a certain approach to it uh both to the songs and to like just the overall kind of it. yeah
0: yeah i feel like i agree like it's like whatever i could do it's like yeah I would love to kind of like model my band's career after after them you know just kind of like almost like I feel like settle into it you know
2: and yeah which is such a like valuable valuable thing I think it also comes from being in a band for 20 plus years I think after 20 plus years of knowing your thing and doing it well like you have that kind of confidence to just be like all right. Well, now this album, we're just not going to use guitars on, and we're just going to do a piano goth album. And it's like, yeah. okay, and it works. And you're like, Jesus, um, you know? So, yeah, that. Com- I also just having that many albums. Like, we have three albums, and I'm like, oh man, how how do we do four? Like, how are we going to find? How are we going to find the energy for our what fortieth song? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was looking uh, even at. Like this specific record and was kind of like, what, this was their ninth? Like, yeah. like,
3: <laughs>
0: like it's it's like a it's like guided by voices, even though they're way more extreme than this, but just like you know, it's it's uh intimidating, I guess, to kind of think about where you should jump in for Mountain Goats. Yeah.
2: yeah. I always I always recommend jumping in with a playlist. Like have somebody mm-hmm. who loves the band make you a playlist. Or I always just give people all hell West Texas. Yeah. very good entry into both what comes before, what came before and what comes after.
0: Yeah. Like this, even like this record, when I was looking at some, uh, like a Pitchfork review of it, and it was still around the time that Pitchfork was uh, really like snide. Oh yeah. You know? And it was like, it was such a like, just like kind of review, just like, you know, and I think I, I saw who wrote it, and I feel like the person who wrote it, like, I think they still write for Pitchfork, and, the you know, it's like the tone of Pitchfork has changed. Yeah. Um, so it's really funny. It's like, it's like, I don't know if I liked them to begin with, or it was just like playing. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> but it was funny to kind of hear um, Pitchfork at the time, you know, kind of view this as almost like their hi-fi album. And it is, like, comparatively
2: <laughs> i think it might be one of the best sounding albums production-wise from until like the recent stuff recent stuff yeah because they're recording at like blackbird studios and stuff which is you know a dream yeah
0: but it, and it, it might be like a kind of 2020 thing but you know it feels like it's like i think for the most part um it's like i think you could almost record that you could like i feel like you could record this that record now at your home Oh
2: yeah. yeah, there's not a lot, not a lot happening. Yeah, no. uh, you would. I mean, you'd probably struggle to get some of the kind of the live feel of it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just the beauty of recording technology the last fifteen years. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. So um, I guess like getting into the actual uh, meat of the record, what would you say? Like, if you were to pick one track from the record, what would it be?
2: One track that I have to live with or one track that I'm like giving to other people?
0: Actually, let's answer both but separately.
2: Okay. Ooh, that's a good. See, there's so many good songs on this. Yes. Okay, so we gotta break this down in like maybe three versions of this, which is is how dorky I am about these songs in particular. Um I think if you're gonna like give a quintessential like great mountain goat song that's probably a bit different than everything else they do. I think you have to give somebody this year, right? It's like, it's positive, it's depressing. It's, you know, it goes there. It rocks pretty hard. Um,
0: Yeah, it's, that's a song that um, I feel like in certain instances, like I'll, I don't have this many songs where I do this, but like, I have specific songs that I feel like it's like, I don't know if I'm not feeling great or whatnot. Like, I'll just listen to that song a lot. And this is one of them. And another one is, uh, I don't know, some Grateful Dead song that for some reason I'm blanking on. Um, but it's just like, uh, there's just certain songs that I feel like you can just kind of listen to that. it's It's a personal song for me, too, because it kind of just feels like what I grew up with you know yeah. um you know so i would i would assume that's what a lot of people are able to kind of uh, you know attach themselves to
2: yeah i think i think that's i think it's definitely the hit for a reason right yeah i'm giving somebody a song at this album and i'm like this is a quintessential mountain goat song i give them dance music um just cuz it's so dark in the storytelling and still so kind of upbeat in the music uh yeah Kind of washes over you where you're like, oh shit. Um and then I'm picking a song for myself, it's song for Dennis Brown, which is my favorite song off this album. Um, which I don't think is like a popular choice for a lot of this album. But to me, I get, again it kind of goes into that dance music era or that dance music thing where it's it's so dark and uh but it the darkness kind of washes over you. You're not just like you're not just starting the song of media like oh oh shit this is a this is a depressing song. Uh, even though I guess song for Dennis Brown it's like on the day that Dennis Brown lo- Dennis Brown's lungs collapsed and you're just like oh okay. Um, but no, the storytelling is so good. I don't know. This is a tough album to pick a to pick a song. <laughs> you know, also because like, and I know um, my buddy David Callison who runs the Sound of the Story podcast did like an entire episode uh, on this album. And kind of dug into the story behind it but it's just such a different album uh because a lot of it is supposedly more autobiographical so it's like when you get into like the real like the rawness of some of these songs and you realize that they're maybe not just stories in the kind of grander scheme of like the john darneal storytelling um it's it's really hard to like single one out because I think they all kind of work with each other too in terms of like the flow of the album and the kind of impact that it has. Because this is an album where like I'll listen to it and it's stacked up top, right? Like You are Your Memory, great song, good album opener. Broom People, like one of the great love, like quote unquote love songs, right? And it's like fun mm-hmm. too. This year, the hit, Dilaudid, it's like, oh, it starts to get weird. And then dance music picks it back up and it gets a little pretty depressing and then by the time you get to like up the wolves and lion's teeth it really like the heaviness of the album really starts to i feel like it starts to hit you because i'll be listening to this album with people who don't listen to it and by the time lion's teeth comes on and like it hits like it's big climax people are like what the fuck is this album about and they're like they start to piece it together and you're just like oh you know what i mean so it's hard to like pick anything out i feel like this is definitely enjoyed as an entire album
0: yeah, I feel like um and like I mentioned like I don't I feel like this is this is the record I go back to a lot. Um and so I know from uh, a little bit of the research like uh some of the earlier records almost like tell a story that isn't autobiographical and I feel like he still does that in like newer newer albums but this one specifically but sometimes when people do that when they write songs that they're like, no, this is a story of someone else. I still feel like no matter what they tell you, there's something about them that they're still telling a story.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're in every song you write. You can't escape that. Otherwise you wouldn't be writing about it. You know what I mean? You would, I don't think anybody's like, I'm going to sit down and tell this totally uninteresting story to me. Um, That'd be so disingenuous. Yeah. I give zero shits about this, but I'm going to write a four minute song about it.
0: Um, yeah, there's been times I feel like when I've written a song, like from just like a different, I guess a story song that's not yeah. my own story, my uh, my partner will be like, But you know, the song is really about this. You know, like, will I like, call me on it? And I'm like, Oh, wow, didn't realize that. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah there's definitely like some ex- excavating going on when you're writing uh, other stories. Uh, yeah. I, I find them more effective that way too.
0: Yeah but um like specifically i mean there's even i mean it always sounds like a silly one to mention but um even when i hear like adam's song by blink 182 like it just feels like a it's a song that i feel like i just have to like sit there and listen to the whole thing and like my 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 brother's name is adam so it like feels like it's like speaking to me um the same way with like this year it's like Uh, not to bum out the podcast but it would be like I my stepmother so it was like not my stepfather but my stepmother and my dad would always be like you know don't worry about like the things that are happening at home you'll be gone next year you know so I moved out when I was like 17 essentially like so there's so much of the song that's just like wow this is a little close you know (laughs) so
2: yeah I know this album does that great thing of like And again, I mean, just because John Darneal is like a master storyteller, but it gets down to some like such specifics that it becomes kind of universally true, um, which I think is you know I I've said this before, but like those are the songs I gravitate towards, you know stuff that's like super generalized uh, I can't stand, like classic rock and roll type tropes of like yeah hey little girl let's go out and drink to like that shit fucking rubs me the wrong way um yeah and i hate a lot of rock music but when it can get hyper hyper specific and this is this is why i love country music a lot not like country pop like very good country music is when you can get so specific you like hone in on what exactly you're feeling and it kind of creates The ability for somebody else to be like, oh, that's hitting a little close to me personally, even though it could be an an entirely different situation, but it's like, no, I I get it. Like you're being so clear in your specificity that like, I understand exactly what you're trying to tell me right now, even if, you know, or I understand exactly some emotion that the song is telling me, you know, regardless of what the, the writer meant for it to, you know, impart on you
0: yeah I mean I think that you like you were mentioning with like classic rock songs uh, and country songs too but even like if you think about like this year um, the hook itself is like you know fairly could be general yeah the things that kind of get painted in like the verses and that's like sometimes the difference it's like you can be as general as you know classic rock songs are but it's like you almost like paint a specific picture within you know a song about rocking or something (laughs) like then you could make it where someone's like oh that's about me but it's really about rocking in the free world man
2: choruses are meant to be general because it's easy to sing along to general things um rocking in the free world man that's Mm -hmm. i mean it's the truth though yeah i'm a big verse guy like uh that's always my focus um and what i'm always drawn towards probably for that reason where it's like I don't care the thing that's going to be repeated. If it's being repeated, it's not important. If it's being repeated, it's being repeated because people are like, we're all, we all have like worm brains who are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this chorus, we've, we've said it four times this song because it's catchy and I like to shout it. And like, you know, again, this is like, I fully understand the purpose of a chorus. We, it was a big thing on this last album we did of like having like, kind of playing with that idea of you know because i'm so i'm so averse to choruses um so being like well i want to put a fucking chorus in every song but that being said like i'm much more interested in what's going on in between the stuff that's not being repeated because it's like that's the story and then the hook is just meant to like i don't know hammer the point home uh to the point of it being nauseating (laughs) yeah
0: and do you feel like when you've um not this record specifically, but has, do you feel like liking Mountain Goats or being a big fan of this record has like creeped into your songwriting?
2: Um, not necessarily in like any formal way. Uh, I I do think, I mean, people will say like, yes, you're ripping off the Mountain Goats, but people say that we rip off every band imaginable. Um, so, I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, but I think, you know, in terms of just, they're a band that just kind of goes for it and does what they want. um And I think that has really, that's definitely kind of seeped its way through. And then, yeah, maybe some of the wordiness, but I've always been kind of wordy. I, it's hard to say because, like, I go through phases of loving bands as deeply as I do. And so, like, if I, you know, and th- I try not to listen to bands too heavily to avoid this, but like if I, if I listen to a shit ton of the mountain goats when I was a sophomore in college and then, you know, nine years later, write a song that sounds like a mountain, like was influenced by the mountain goats. I don't know when it bled in necessarily, or like if I'm even aware that it bled in or if I'm just doing a thing that I learned to do when I was 22, because I was, at 22 trying to do a thing like the mountain goats but now at 32 i'm just remembering what i did at 22 but uh, yeah. stuff like that is like very hard for me to track uh um, yeah
0: i feel like there's almost like no reason to um I, I remember like when i was in one of my old bands it would be like we would bring a riff to practice and um you know the someone else in the band would be like uh is that the chord progression to knock it on heaven's door or something and you're like There's only so many chords. Like, stop. This isn't knocking on heaven's door. Like, you know, it's like if you were to rip off a mountain goat song and this isn't like some I'm not like setting you up to tell you one of your songs are.
3: But
0: but, yeah. But um, you know, it's like, I don't know, I mean how many chords are there, man? There's there's only two chords. I
2: go one further than that. I go like there was an era where not an era, it was like a few years ago. Where like the Wonder Years put out an album, and while they put it out, I w- I was working on Schmaltz, and there was a line that I had already written down that I then heard on the album as after we had record like started recording Schmaltz, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like it's very close. It's like a very similar line. And then it actually it flipped this last time where we put out our one of our albums. We put out, I forget what happened. We put out an album, and then like a similar line appeared on a Wonder Year song, and I was like, "It." it it's my theory that like. If you take a bunch of people, especially like late 20s, early 30s, white dudes who grew up in a certain socioeconomic class, like listening to a lot of the same bands, like these things are going to tend to bleed through in very similar ways. Um, So, yeah, I I agree. Like, there's only so many chords, and then it's also a pretty small community of bands, like when you really get down to it. so I don't know, like, mu- yeah, music's a conversation anyway. So yeah, if you write a song that sounds like knocking on heaven's door, like fucking great, like take it and own it and be like, yeah, you know, fuck it, yeah, this is knocking on heaven's door. But like, how can we continue that conversation in a new way and maybe you know do our own thing with it or whatever? I don't know.
0: Yeah, like ring heaven's doorbell or
2: something. Yeah, well, fuck it, like it doesn't <laughs> fucking music. It-, it also doesn't matter. It's music. Like at the end of the day, I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, we put out a video yesterday. And so, like, inevitably, when I have to get onto YouTube for something, like, I'm human. So, my, my, mo- my mouse will go to the comments. Uh, and yeah, yesterday I just, I, it wasn't on the new video, but I was, I clicked through to a few other things and I was like, I saw so many comments of people talking about stuff like this of like, oh this band is just x band light or this band is doing this type of worship and it's just like this is a funny day to have this question because i'm I'm pretty fired up about it and i fucking hate everybody and i'm just like all right you know whatever uh thanks for for this is well you've
0: discovered the true intent of this podcast it's really i want to get you fired up about something and
2: then we just go way off topic from the mountain goats Well, i mean no mountain goats is a good one because uh yeah it's you know that's the other thing if somebody i've learned to kind of embrace it like if somebody was like your song sounds like you just really love the mountain goats and it's like oh cool so you're saying we have a quality song that reminds you of one of the best bands ever. yeah yeah
0: it's, awesome. it's also when i mean i get it and i'm probably like told the, the my, one thing i'm thinking i've always started like explaining and qualifying myself before i even like said the question so it's really fun to people listening to this podcast but Um, just the idea that things are labeled as 90s oh yeah and it's like we're generally of a certain age and it's almost like a generational thing And it's like I remember I don't know it was like 10 or more years ago you felt like everything was referencing the 80s oh yeah and now it's like the 90s but now I think it's the late 90s you know so it's like it's gonna happen that's what happens you know it's like in the 90s they were referencing the 70s and the 60s so it's like
2: we all also had to grow up with stuff yeah we, so
0: it's just it's just dug into our psyche yeah and, you yeah know, so it's yeah <laughs> but, i can't
2: I write certain things where like i'm gonna we'll write a thing and it'll be like that riff sounds like a blink 182 song it's like well fuck, man i listen to so much blink 182 in my life like what do you want you know and we definitely like actively try to like purge those moments from our songs for sure well no if somebody realizes a song sounds like something it's like okay well that should probably change then you know if you catch it in time uh yeah i get precious about stuff like that i don't get precious about lyrics if somebody's like that sounds close to a lyric in another song i'm like well too fucking bad because like the, i'm i'm not reading other people's lyrics to, to write things down you know what i mean yeah
0: and also i think like sometimes when i'm writing if i think something sounds a certain way since i have other bandmates it's like I won't tell them because I don't think that they'll approach it that way. If I put that in their head, then they're going to start doing them. You
3: know?
2: we did have the worst. So the, I, I had almost like a very bad panic attack over this month because we had finished Schmaltz and it was being pressed. And somebody sent me an EP of a band that I hadn't listened to. In like 2012, And they sent me an EP of that band put out in like the mid, like 2010s, maybe 2014, 2015. And one of the songs had a bridge where the lyrics were very close to something I did on Schmaltz. And I was like, this sucks because this is a band I would have listened to. You know what I mean? But I like dropped off of and I fucking inadvertently like wrote a bridge to one of their songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I fucking panicked. But then I played it for everybody else. And, like, it sounds nothing alike. But in my head, I'm like, as a fan of that band, I'm like, oh, no, because that is the fear, right? Like,
3: yeah.
2: if I ever wrote a bridge and I was like, I'm going to make it through this year, whether I survive or not. You know what I mean? be <laughs> a real fucking problem. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm definitely always, you know, cognizant of that. But sometimes I'll like, <laughs> after that happened, when we were writing the last album, if I had a line that was questionable, I would Google it. <laughs> I'd be like, wait, has this been done before?
0: um we google that in do you say do you google has this been done before
2: has this been is this quote you know that'd be so great um yeah i don't know fucking internet man there's just too much music there's too much music and there's too many people doing music and too much stuff to listen to (laughs) yeah i feel like it's
0: for the most part i don't think anyone should worry about it except for like it's like whenever I heard the, uh, like that Green Day song that I'll say references a Dillinger Four song, I was like, oh, that one's close. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I
3: one. don't,
0: yeah. Outside of that, I don't think people do it on purpose. And technically, I don't 100% know if, you know, uh, you know Billy, my friend Billy, did that on purpose with the Green I don't have any way of knowing. No. You know?
2: again it's fucking music like who actually cares i It's, it's
0: hard too because like well personally the way i feel like i write since i'm not a great i'm not really a guitarist i'm the bassist in my band but you know i can pick up a guitar and make it seem like i know what i'm doing sort of but like my point being like um when when i'm writing a song i feel like sometimes i take away chords and try and like keep things as simple as possible so you're even more going to run into just like the, uh, like, oh, this song sounds like Nirvana or Foo Fighters or you know.
2: You play a song in drop D that plays the same fucking three chords as every other song. Why did you rip off every song ever? Just stuff like that.
0: It's like, there's only so many things, but you know, it's like, I don't know anyone that I could point to um, and be like, I think John Darnielle is ripping off this. Like, he is someone that's like, everything's there and like you know it's very simple songwriting but he is uniquely his own orbit
2: oh yeah i think that's something you know you know maybe in the early days there were a few other artists you could point to but at a certain point like yeah he just he becomes a force unto himself this is a mountain goat song and you know that's the beauty of it and especially like i think around this era too is where you get like that second stage of off the boombox and maybe some some appreciation and some uh, intent behind, instead of just capturing a feeling or capturing a moment of being like, these mm-hmm. are the songs. How do we make them the most interesting as possible? How do we you know produce them in a way that they're most effective? I'm not to speak to. I have no idea if that was the point, but it, you know it definitely feels like at a certain point they start caring, uh, not caring. That implies that like the boombox era stuff isn't carefully thought out but i think i think that's one way to to make it feel so fresh and to be like oh well you know the the mountain goats are their own band is at a certain point it just seems like he goes okay well the boombox is fucking tired i've done what i can do on it i've done my you know i've played my songs in my three chords that maybe sound you know like whatever uh what can we do that's the complete 180 degree difference of this. So it's like, oh, Boombox, let's go into a studio and put a bunch of thought into it. You know what I mean? And
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine what would happen, or even if that's like, I can't think of any artist that thinking about like a 25 year or more career, like if everything had stayed on a Boombox, like one, I just wouldn't have happened, you know, but like, you know, it does allow you. It's like, I don't know how much different is, th- I think it is. Kind of different songwriting wise, but um, he probably doesn't approach things much differently than he did. You know, so it's like you've added cello or you add uh, piano. And so,
2: well, it does feel like every album is kind of a reaction to the previous album, um, which I think all of my favorite bands kind of do. And it's definitely something that, like, I absolutely keep in mind. Like, I'll have breakdowns over being like, we just. just did that like we 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 can't redo it um uh thrice comes to mind as a band like that who's just like constantly revolting against what came before them of their own work um and i think yeah since the late 90s now right since like 99 right yeah so like yeah i mean
0: i i i think it would be crazy if thrice still sounded like artists in the ambulance uh like that would be insanity like um but i think like with what's that one record the Sioux, or i'm not sure how you pronounce it um i but it also feels like with them they pushed like as hard as they could like it's like I'm, I'm i respect that you're on this journey i don't know if i'm going to follow you on this path uh to the sioux but i really understand it now as being in a band for as long as i have you know?
2: that's the best i i and I think that's definitely, yeah. I love bands that do that where it's like, hey, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step off the train for a little bit, but maybe I'll be back. Maybe I won't like that, but keep going, you know? It's yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, there, there are a few bands that I truly loved who kind of have taken kind of big swings like that and had the longevity to show for it. Um, thrice comes to mind immediately. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even like... Um... Well, now that I'm kind of like thinking within that world, uh, like Cave did like the same thing, you know. And I like I think the kind of when they started singing era is my favorite. Yeah. So
2: yeah, I and I, you know, I think that's, I think that is a good way to avoid. I think it's a good way to to set up, both, what, your kind of song is, and also avoid being trapped into like this is a, X type of song um, and I think that's how you get that kind of like you know it doesn't sound like anything it sounds like a mountain goat song well because what do the mountain goats sound like you know what I mean like, yeah. like really when you get down to it over the course of the entire career you I can't describe to you what the mountain goats sound like you know but it's like this guy with an interesting voice who kind of shouts uh he plays acoustic guitar a lot but a lot of times there's like an organ or, or a cello or an electric guitar and there's like a bassist but then also, there was this whole era where it was just him banging on a guitar with a boom box. So, like, you can't really uh, pin that down at all, which I think is great. Um,
0: yeah, but what, what you should do, um, well, I think, like, both of us, like, being in, I guess, like, melodic bands, I don't know, you know, like, melodic punk bands, I don't know what, um, what you know, like, what we need to do is we need to pivot toward uh, thrice artists in the ambulance style things for our next album.
2: I, I haven't uh, I have it's funny because I mean we've we've been far enough away from the like the this last album that we put out that I am starting to think about that. Um, and and I go through like six different iterations of what I think we should do every album anyways. But I, I definitely there are a few ways to go, but one of them definitely was get heavier. <laughs> without, mm. I resist that urge every time I want to, because there are a few bands that were my favorite bands of like my youth and into where I am now, who proceeded to get heavier and heavier or weirder and weirder. You know, thrice being one of them. And uh, yeah, it always feels like that's going to be the answer. Like, what if we just get heavier? <laughs> will that will that shut everybody up? <laughs> yeah, just
0: uh, do like you might have to. I don't know how often you practice scales. Um, I never do, but you know, it's like you should go like the Propaganda route or like a Wilhelm scream.
2: We're not good enough for that and that's that's (laughs) for me. It's like how heavy can we get but still do our thing? You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. You know. Now (laughs) now the Mountain Goats are going to put out an album of like fucking just like peak Manchester orchestra bangers, I bet. That'd be...
0: (laughs) I'm. I mean, they've always like. Obviously, there's so much uh, reference to them, or him liking like death metal and whatnot. Um, unless I just don't know that it exists. It's like I'm almost surprised there hasn't been just like a straight up like death metal record that he sings on. Yeah,
2: I. You know, a lot of that I kind of wonder if it's just liking the music that you don't do. Yeah. Uh, Ever wanting to do it. You know i love dance music and every time i'm like i should sit down and like work on a dance track for somebody i'm like i don't even know how, where to begin um yeah but you know i'm still gonna go listen to churches a ton um i guess it's not even dance music but like you know uh, electric like
0: david guetta or something like uh <laughs> yeah that's like the one i can pull out yeah uh <laughs> clearly not dance music fans here but yeah, when when I think about uh that I think about that cuz I was actually on the KEXP he was uh they were talking about how whatever record was coming out around that time he said he approached it differently in that he actually allowed other people in the band to have some sort of say. Yeah. Like he said it's all he said like no one plays anything in the band that I don't approve. You yeah. know, it, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said. And um uh, But he was like, I just thought maybe, you know, maybe they'll choose some things and I won't like it and then we'll just come out with another record after that. It's fine because they come out with a record like every two years. So it's like, you know, uh, he was just like, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. There's, what, 15 or so, you know. uh, I
2: mean, like like that's the driving force of the Mountain Goats as a whole is like, I mean, who cares? We'll put out another one next year. yeah
0: so maybe you know maybe John Worcester picked the wrong producer or something that seemed to be he was like oh because he was like I don't even know what producer I would pick because all I I listen to is death metal so Uh, and like I I think about that because sometimes like people are like it seems like I like a lot of like hardcore and like heavy music and whatnot so people have always like why aren't you like in a band like that And it's like, you don't understand, I respect it so much that I don't want to make a bad version of it. And also, like, you kind of, I feel like in a way, you know, and I think John Jarniel probably feels the same way. It's like, yes, he loves death metal, but he will never have the aptitude or whatnot to play it, you know, it's so it's like, I'll leave that there because I love it, you know, and this is just what I know I can do. Like, there's a certain way I personally know that I write. So it will just never be that.
2: That's how I feel about a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Does this mean we don't respect pop punk, and that's why we're in poppy punkish bands?
0: Yeah, yeah, we don't. Respect. That might be. It might be true. It's like, yes, I I love Blink Twenty Two as much as you, but it's like, but then then we have that thing. I think we we do we're doing that thing. You know, it's like, we're basically, and I do not want to say we're both in pop-punk bands, but then that's kind of like where we're pushing against it. So that proves we're probably in pop-punk bands. Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. That's
0: fine.
2: I, I, was, I would say we're in a rock band. It's gotten so much. I, oh
0: man. But is that like, I, f- I feel like I've finally gotten comfortable with telling people that, um, you know, I'm in a rock band, but every time I do that, I just feel like it's like, I have like, you know, I'm just holding my leg up like a guitar like Jim Carrey or something and just like playing ACDC riffs you know it's like when you say it when you
2: when you do say I play in a rock band people go like oh yeah well where at have I heard of you like if you say I'm like I'm in a pop punk band they're like oh okay okay that's fine (laughs) like I'm in a rock band like like what like what kind of rock like fucking you up there you you playing with kid rock like it's it's uh yeah but to me that's kind of fun you're like yeah I'm in a rock band and they go what does it sound like and I just go like it's uh it's loud and it's sad and uh that's that's it and they usually go oh okay I
0: I like to just tell them not even like a deep cut band or something just like well do you like uh sugar and then the person's like I don't, what do you you know I don't know what you're saying to me and then like, oh that's that's okay bye you know um you know just do that i feel our like it's friend, a good
2: one our friend sal from the band rebuilder um you'll ask him this happened on our podcast uh, he was a guest on it and our co-host was like i've never actually listened to your band what do you sound like like in the pre-talk and he was like you know zz top and our co-host got so excited because he loves rock and roll and it sounds like nothing like that and like that's his only descriptor and it's like that's uh yeah i i appreciate the the misdirection uh, it's it's good i'm gonna i'm gonna start saying you know the mountain goats n- nothing nothing like the mountain goats uh loud loud and less talented <laughs>
0: um but one thing i was um so okay so spanish love songs has been a band since 2013
2: uh yeah we started playing together 2013 kyle joined in 2014 so yeah i call it around around that era so yeah yeah, and when
0: when you all started the band was it did you i mean i guess like i'm I'm not sure like the history so sorry if i'm kind of repeating things that are well known but um like did you start touring like right away or
2: no not at all Uh, It was a joke for us. Um, Not a joke, but like just something that we did on the weekends uh, or when we were bored. Uh, And Kyle worked at a studio, so we took a year. And like, you know how most fans are like, we'll put out an EP and we'll tour and we'll try to get fans. We were like, no, we'll just record an entire album and put it on the internet for nobody. Um, So we did that. That was 2015. And then we went on our first tour at the end of 2015 um, with the Flatliners. And that was it. Was like four days. Like that was our first like yeah. experience as this band. Uh, and then I went away to work on a movie for six months, and we didn't do anything. Um, and then we went on our first like tour on our own. That was more than a week in 2016. We went up the west coast and back down. Um, so it was like ten or ten or eleven days uh and then we didn't do a north american tour until we put out schmaltz in 2018 that was our first like nationwide tour um so two two years two and a half almost three years ago uh that's why i say that we were a joke because we didn't really take the band seriously until um we put schmaltz out i mean we all had other jobs and other careers um that we were you know none of us toured in our 20s we all worked uh, and worked towards what we wanted or what we were you know what we were working towards um and now we're all in our early 30s and like we it's weird for me because i've been playing in bands i've been playing in these type of bands and writing these songs since i was like 19 but maybe never with the full force that i should have been giving it um because music is stupid it doesn't pay and so i was like well this is dumb i'm not (laughs) i'm not gonna do this um so like we just did that Wonder Years tour, and uh, when we first we I we played Bloodfest and the Wonder Years played the last Bloodfest and uh, I went out and uh, Dan was there and saw Stu, like, us like watch this play and then asked me to do bar bands and I went out and did bar bands at the end of Bloodfest and then we were talking in the hallway afterwards and I was like yeah I uh, played another band in San Diego and I did that same shit with you like ten years ago and I've done nothing since like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've yeah i think about that because i i feel like kind of similar trajectory in that um just kind of like did a lot of the things that i feel like was kind of expected to a degree like you know i went to college yeah you know i well i you know got down with college like during a recession so uh you know just uh you know but in in tended to like go start teaching and then got into finance and then eventually was like I don't want this finance job I will go tour you know but then I think of like people that are like 19 uh specifically you know I guess a really a positive shout out like my friends uh they're another Charlotte band called Jail Socks and it's like (laughs) their their uh front person uh Aiden is uh is I think 19 you know and it's like it's like you know big big ups to them like you know but it's like it was i can't imagine i think the main point that i'm rambling around is like i can't imagine thinking that i would have had my shit together enough at 19 to do that
2: no no way at all we always joke that we wouldn't have appreciated it either we would have fucked it up um like the best review that i've ever read of our band not because it was funny or not because it was like a good review. <laughs> like somebody called Schmaltz uh, an album of what happens when your band isn't successful for 10 years. Um, um, I was yeah.
3: like,
2: why'd you gotta, why'd you gotta come for me like that, man? Uh, and it's true. Uh, and yeah, it, but now that we're in our early thirties, it's like, we appreciate it more and we you know take care of ourselves a bit more. And also I joke about this, but I'm like, we are, not allowed to put out a bad uh collection of work because if we put out something that sucks like we're done yeah we don't get like that two-year period from 24 to 26 to like come back and you know win people over again it's like no we have to we have to execute like our highest ability or else we're all going back to like being 35 and unemployed you know what i mean
0: (laughs) yeah but i mean i also like i think about it too it's like man i just wish i would have like toured more when i was uh, young or you know um, or just like maybe I should have like toured and then like went to college or something, you know, but
2: yeah it like I, been, I really i wish I wish I was twenty two and in the band that I 'm in now, but i didn 't know how to do it when I was twenty two so like I guess I'll just take what I can get now,
0: yeah, and not to like I guess it will maybe i'm proud of myself because I have a college degree and I own a home you know, but um, which is a possible thing you can possibly do in North Carolina as opposed to other places, you know, you can live.
2: I see it feels possible too. I'm, uh, I'm trying very hard. If there wasn't a pandemic, I might, I might be able to get a house.
0: Yeah, I had so many friends that were essentially almost like about to sign the papers that I should know the names of since I bought a house. Um, And, uh, but yeah, the pandemic was just like, okay well uh it was like one of my friends he owns a local venue and it was just like well i can't show that i have income now
2: yeah i mean that's (laughs) really it is like we all suddenly went from having jobs on paper to not having anything at all and (laughs) thankfully some of us have found jobs again um but yeah I, i feel for anybody who is in the music industry because it's it's such chaos right now yeah
0: and it can um i feel like it's like i feel myself now being like oh i gotta get away from this topic because it's like you know it's like it's just like none of us can get out of it so there's nothing you can say to sort of be like well that was a nice looking back at that bad time you know it's like we're still in it you know so it's like every time i open my phone we're still in it like and it's like even though this podcast this episode specifically will come up you know, be up like a month from now or so. It's like th- we will still be living in the same hell world. Probably will. So, yeah. so while I say that, uh, do you follow John Darnielle on social media?
2: Uh, we follow the Mountain Goats account, so yeah, that's him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fun.
0: He, I think the way he is dealing with the pandemic is he is running nonstop like uh and i i've been not nonstop. i really am ashamed of how little i've run um but like it's seeing that like it would be just like running for like like 15 miles for fun yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, like it's- <laughs> i wish uh i have a bad knee so i can't run on it uh, um, but yeah I, it's been interesting to see how how different people different people deal with it or cope with it uh I mean, yeah, it's easy to be, it's easy to be a bummer about it. Cause like, yeah, we're just in the middle of it. Uh, like probably legitimately in the middle of it in a best case scenario. <laughs> yeah. we, we had this realization cause we, like we have to keep planning we don't have to, but like we, we have people that we work with who have lost their livelihood, like even more than we have. Um, and so, they really want to, they really want to get back to work, booking shows, like working shows and, you know what I mean? Venue owners and such too, um, or like agents or crew or, you know, this or that. Um, and like, we have to keep planning for the future. So it's like, when is, you know, we still have dates that are like technically like soft booked it's like, well, that's not going to happen because that's March and March is not happening now. And then it's like, well, that's July. July's not happening now or, you know, whatever. And so, like, we started doing the math of figuring, like, when when it's looking like best case scenario, when we would get to play a show again. And I told, and I was talking on our, well, we have, like, a Discord server, and I was joking with somebody, was like, yeah, to get a job, that's fine, I can work job for, like, six months. And I'm like, six months? Six months is, like, March. And I was like, oh, and I realized it's going to be, like, another year.
0: Yeah. I've already
2: been in it for, like, six, seven months, and I'm like, oh, so... The amount of time we've been in it, double that, and that's how much we have left. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> ooh, uh, that's that's the that's the tough one to grapple with. So I feel like we're just gonna bum everybody out. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> this, is this is like there's certain.
0: Um, I don't mind it, like kind of talking in this way because, but it's sort of like I feel like maybe I've discovered, or sorry if I'm putting this on you. I feel like there's certain people you can talk to and kind of realize that you both potentially could potentially bring each other down oh yeah you know but it's almost a camaraderie with it you know i think i've discovered that we're that way with each other you know <laughs> uh
2: i do have a superpower which is to bring anybody out instantaneously uh, there's uh do you watch what we do in the shadows uh i don't but i have all the time in the world uh, well, there's... I mean, I've been intended. It's based on the movie, uh, but they introduce a new character who's an emotional vampire and he just like sucks <laughs> your energy uh, by being boring and awful. And uh, I'm like that, except like just being depressed. Like, hey, did you have a good day today? Cool. Are you ready to do this for another year? All right. Like people just go, oh, uh, you know, yeah. but it's, it's good. It's, I mean, again, we're discussing The Sunset Tree, one of the saddest albums of all time
0: yeah yeah it's well, I guess like uh when I, it, yeah, I don't even mean, know how to get back into the but record I, itself um,
2: Yeah, clearly, I gravitate towards these things because, no,
0: uh, I mean, the past few episodes have been like it's like, you like this album too, all right, let's talk about laundry, you yeah know, um yeah,
2: yeah um, you get any deeper than uh it's a great album, and people should listen to it.
0: Yeah, the hard thing with like kind of breaking down an album, though, is like, well, it sounds like that. Well, you you can go listen to it. <laughs> you know, it's like, we we're, I want to just tell you it exists and you should listen to it. But, you know, I, I don't need to tell you, you know, um, there, there was like an episode I was uh, interview I was doing and someone started talking about like diminished chords and I appreciated them for it. Um, but it was like, but that is something I wouldn't, I could never do. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I find that generally I'm too dumb to talk about music, uh, in any meaningful way. And Same sort of making it about me, in which mm-hmm. case, I'm professional at that. Um, so you know, at case in point, I somehow managed to turn an episode about one of my favorite bands into it. how it's annoying when somebody says that I ripped off one of my favorite bands. <laughs>
0: uh yeah any point before that when you're like you've managed to make it about me you you basically just i should make that i'm gonna edit that into a (laughs) soundbite but just make that like that's what this podcast is
2: yeah that's good
0: though like that's it's like why would i not i mean the only reason of having a podcast in general is to you know be able to you know promote yourself more like it's the most selfish thing you can do i
2: mean yeah we also like we play music for a living which is one of the most I mean it it goes hand in hand with the with the career being undervalued because it's uh, egotistically fulfilling people just assume that you're happy with that and that you don't want money um, which is like the great con of uh, middle class uh, musicians or you know lower middle middle class not in like a classic class sense but in terms of like you have your Billie Eilishes and you have your local bands who play on the weekends and then you have like we're much closer to that local band that plays on the weekend than we will ever be to a billy eilish and there's an entire like industry of bands that are there who like survive and make a living but who are not popular uh or they're popular but they're not famous or you know what i mean they're not like millionaires they're making a you know they make thirty thousand dollars a year yeah Um, if even (laughs) oh yeah I know I'm being generous yeah. people assume they're like "It's fine they're musicians they're like their egos are fulfilled that's got to be enough and I'm like fuck you you listen to the music
0: like yeah there was a there was an interview I read years ago with uh, Jeff Rickley from Thursday and I think he mentioned in it where it was near I guess the original run of the band like he had uh, made $10,000 that year in tax you know that's what he claimed on his taxes and then I was just like I, this will never work for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that,
2: that's pretty, that feels fairly low for a band like Thursday. I want
0: I, now that I think about it, I'm like, how much stuff do they write off? It's like it'd probably be beneficial to we, earn that want, little.
2: Yeah. You don't want to make a, t- I mean, if, <laughs> this, is this going to become a band business podcast? I yeah. Can, this is
0: their tax podcast.
2: Uh, very uh, easily. Uh, yeah. You don't want to have a bunch of taxable income coming through your LLC for your band. Uh, typically the band should be buying a dumb bunch of shit for you anyways that you then write off through the band so that your taxable income is lowered uh
0: yeah one of my friends uh elise from oceanator um she was mentioning essentially like when you're on the road um you can tell that i don't handle my taxes ever but um when you're on the road like you can claim you know how much you ate that day almost like right off is the word i'm trying to say um and it's like you can claim up to like almost like 80 bucks or something you know it's like higher than what anyone would pay
2: yeah it's based but, on yeah federal per dm rates and stuff like that it's a payment yeah. Um, yeah yeah
0: i don't and know so it's like i don't i don't think i've ever spent that much on food ever
2: yeah it, in a week we've got to the point too where just the band we pay for everything out of the band like pool um that way nobody's like Going out of pocket for a lot of I mean, like per diem wise.
0: Rub your success in my face. Our,
2: yeah, our, our success. <laughs> this is our success this year. We went up to a $10 per diem. Ooh. Yeah. Let me tell you, that was a life changer. Um, Sounds uh, nice. We'd rather have a comfortable tour than go home with money. Um, yeah, makes sense. Because we're all old. And like when we first started touring, touring was like a vacation for a lot of us. So it was like, yeah, let's fucking like we'll tour with bands. We're like, we got to have money at the end of the tour to pay ourselves for the time off work. And we're like, yeah, we get that. And like, so because of that, we slept in our van last night and it was 40 degrees outside. And we're like, well, that's cool. We got a hotel because I'd rather go home with no money, but not want to die than go home with money and be like, fuck, fuck touring. You know what I mean? yeah we
0: started when we started touring more we definitely um like for example when we did the tour with dollar signs every night they would do a hotel and we're just like you're throwing money away but then like it's like you know halfway through the tour and i've been sleeping in the van every night and then the next tour we did it was like a couple nights of the tour we did a hotel and then the next tour i did after that was like you know almost like i felt like every other night or something It's
2: yeah, I mean, we got our little corner got super lucky, and I know Dylan from Dollar Signs. I think had this deal as well. Uh, we we know a guy who like books hotels for bands and gets them comped rooms in exchange for like five star reviews on the internet.
0: Yeah, that guy is a this, life changer.
2: I hope he's still around when this is all over because goddamn it, it was it was so good. Uh, yeah, there, man, I. I will say this, like touring ended for the year, but we were like, when we saw that touring was going to end, it was like, the writing was on the wall. We started just blowing it out. Like we had two hotel rooms some nights on that one year's store, because we we're like, we're not fucking doing this for the rest of this year. Like, let's, let's go big. And like, let's pay the extra 20 bucks for the, like the bigger room, like just dumb shit. Cause we were, I mean, we were just depressed that we were going to lose our jobs. Um, yeah. It's funny how you learn that stuff though, where you're like, Oh, it, I, I mean, for me, it's, it became very apparent because, like, if I don't sleep well, I won't be able to sing. Like, my voice will just, like, seize up. Um, and so, very early on, it was like, no, man, we're going to get a fucking hotel room tonight because I don't want to sleep on some fucking floor covered in cat litter uh, and be woken up at 4 a.m. by you bucks coming home drinking. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: like, that's like a... this is This is where we're, like, you know you know people not in their 20s podcast um but like it's uh we did that on actually the west coast tour that we did last year and uh we'd be like hey our drummer you know is allergic to cats like like oh you can stay in this there no cats ever go on that that age-old story yeah and like uh it was like we get in the room there's no cats in there. And then they, we pull out the pullout couch and there's this cat here everywhere. So he's like, well, sleeping in the car.
2: <laughs> I'm the one, in case you can't tell, I'm extremely allergic to cats. Uh, and so, yeah, I've had that happen very, very often. Uh, and yeah, now it's like, and I'll go out of pocket on it now too. I'll, like, cause I don't want to bring everybody else down. It's like, we still crash with you. We'll still crash with friends and stuff. But like, we'll show up in a place and it's like, oh, there's a cat here. I'm like, oh, get an Airbnb, like it's fine I'll pay for it out of my own pocket uh, it's like the little things that learn to keep you sane because I love touring like I genuinely I, I have a lot of friends who hate it and a lot of bands who are like touring fucking sucks and it's a, it's annoying that this is the only way to to have success as a band anymore like financially and for me, I'm like this is what I've dreamed of doing since I was fifteen like this is this is it like driving all day cool. I can listen to music and podcasts or work, go up at the venue. I get to unload gear and like load it in. That's great. That's exercise. That's awesome. Sound check. Oh, cool. It's like, I get to feel like a professional at what I'm doing, play a show and it's awesome. Hanging out afterwards is great. Get up and go to a new city the next day. Like it's a dream life for me. So I've definitely found ways to make it stay that way as opposed to like letting it beat me down. Cause I know it's, I know that 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 weariness of touring is coming for all of us. Um, and like, yeah, at the end of like six weeks, I definitely want to go home. But then after three days home, I'm like, okay, when are we leaving again? Cause this fucking sucks. Like, um, that's definitely been our goal. Cause again, we all started touring in our late twenties. So yeah, it was definitely a thing of like, how do we make this a, if it's going to become a thing, how do we make that thing sustainable? Um, and then also how do we enjoy it if it's not going to become a thing, but this is like our one chance to do a few tours. Uh, so it's been, it's been nice. Cause we just kind of approach it with that kind of mentality. And I think, that, like I said, that comes from being older and I wouldn't have done this when I was 22 and I probably would have burnt out on it and lost my voice or, you know, bought every single one of my band members every night or, you know, something like that.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, i keep like and now i'm like thinking i'm like what other way can i bring it back to the sunset tree uh but it's it's gone sorry john sorry uh, mr Darnielle. um you know it's just not gonna
2: happen would be... <laughs> the way i spoke of this album and talked about the mountain goats it, honestly I, it sounds like i don't listen to mountain goats i'm just like yeah that song's great i love uh, i love that song though but i don't know i'm not going to apologize talking about music is hard uh that's-
0: yeah i think like um i almost like the idea of like if someone like tells you like you were saying like talking to people at, at the end of a show like if someone's like oh do you like this band and maybe it reminds you of their band or however those conversations start it's like more so where the conversation conversation ends up going is what i'm interested in oh, yeah. more than like yo that song rocks man you know I mean- just like
2: I also find nothing less interesting than somebody telling me why I need to listen to a band. Yeah, like it's so melodic, and then this happens, and then it does this. It's like my opinion of when I listen to a band is going to be: is it good or does it suck?
3: Yeah,
0: like, personally.
2: And so I don't like what's the, I will. Oh, it's so bad. I'm such a dick, but I'll tune out when somebody's talking to me about a band, and I'll just be like, mm-hmm. and in my head, I'm just like, I'm not going to listen to this because I don't, I don't care.
0: Yeah, if someone like I mentioned, if someone talks to me about diminished chords, then it's diminished the chances.
2: Yeah, yeah I'm. I won't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you need to bring it back? I, I. No, we don't. I don't. I don't know your audience. uh I'm sorry if they think that this is.
0: They don't. <laughs> they don't think that I'll bring it back. Yeah. Uh, you know it's, it's almost like when you're done when you're kind of wrapping things up you feel like it's like what do you have coming up like what but what do you crippling
2: seasonal depression <laughs> um i don't know um, <laughs> no, no no that's that's fair uh i see this is where i get bad at this stuff again because i feel i hate plugging uh the band
0: um you already accidentally did you, see, you, be, you mentioned that you have a new music video.
2: I will talk about us endlessly, but when you ask me to then do it, I get very self-conscious about it because if you just let me do it in conversation, I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm being a douche. But yeah. when I'm given the platform, I'm like, this fucking sucks. This is, this is lame.
0: I think what people should do, I guess I'll, I'll plug you for you. Um, they should go check out that new music video. And click on it so that it plays, and you get the plays up. But really, just scroll through the comments and,
3: through
2: the and comments yeah, your favorite bands we sound like. <laughs> mm-hmm. And
0: favorite. then send your favorite ones directly to Dylan. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah
2: at, great. at uh, I don't even know my ats anymore. I mean, I'm at <laughs> bonus spreading on Twitter, um, or I might I'm just at Dylan Slocum. Uh, mm-hmm. Instagram I'm Dylan dot Slocum. Uh, I think that's all I'm really on. Uh, don't Facebook from me. I won't add you. I've. I don't use Facebook anymore. Uh, yeah, no. I can. I can plug this. So we run a Patreon. That's how we're staying alive right now. Uh, if you like our band, we're doing weird stuff over there and building a, a fun little community. I thought it was going to be a disaster, um, and it hasn't been because uh, people in this community are great, and I get uncomfortable being earnest and saying nice things but uh people in the in the kind of music community we live in are very wonderful and very supportive and uh, i think everybody just misses shows so yeah you can check out our patreon that's probably where we do the most work right now uh we run a podcast there for it we do a reimagined version of one of our songs every month in like a different style uh i think this month we're doing like a like a grungy style <laughs> <one of our laughs> Talk about getting heavy. Uh, yeah. Like, I've been listening to a lot of Balance and Composure, so this month's song is just going to sound like Balance and Composure. <laughs> Which is great. When you're doing a reimagined version, you can rip off bands that you like uh, intentionally. So it's really just our excuse to rip off bands that we love. We'll do
0: a reimagined Dragons version.
2: Oh my god. First off, I love that idea and I hate that band. <laughs> Uh fuck that's really good though. Dude, Imagine Dragons. Can I don't remember? know
0: what Imagine Dragons sounds
2: like but um have you listened to modern day any modern day rock band like Fall Out Boy did this, Panic at the Disco did this. That kind of like big electronic drums with like epic synths behind it and lots of people going like whoa. Uh that's Imagine Dragons. <laughs> okay.
0: I'm well, th- good for them
2: I try not to be negative about other bands. So I'm going to stop there, but it's so weird that we come from a community where people still expect a shirt, not expect. That's an unfair thing to say. I've definitely been given shit before for selling a shirt for $20. And I go, have you been to a store recently? Like the price, (laughs) we're not in 1999 anymore. You don't go to a DIY show and get a $5 shirt. Um, And if you can do that, great. I need to survive if I'm going to keep playing music. Uh, and it's not like we're like raking in money. Like we have very slim margins on everything we do uh, because we play unpopular music. <laughs> uh, but I went, we, our buddy was working on the, on the Drake tour and Drake was selling like $80 sweatpants. And i was like, we're, we're fucking up. We got we to gotta raise our merch game, dude. We got to, yeah, $100 watches, $80 sweatpants, uh, I don't know, $40 tissue boxes. Uh, fuck it. Let's
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. Like it's, uh, I mean, I guess that's like a conversation, almost like a cost of living conversation that uh, definitely happens. But you know, I, I think it's strange. Like, I even feel bad personally, still selling a shirt over $10, even though I know that that's ridiculous. Like, It's like seven inches aren't $5 anymore. It's like shows shouldn't be $5 anymore. Like, but it's, you still, I mean, I I don't know if you still have that issue, but I played $5 shows last year.
2: I had that guilt for the first time we raised a shirt from 10 to 15. And then when we raised it from 15 to 20 this year, we raised it after like being yelled at by multiple people for not, for not having done that sooner.
0: Capitalist
2: capitalist pig (laughs)
3: Um,
2: i mean yeah there's a lot of math that goes into it though like it sounds uh, i don't want (laughs) to this is a whole other fucking podcast but we can
0: talk about tax deductions again
2: exactly but if you're selling a shirt for 20 and it costs you half of that to make people like well you're making a ton of money and it's like no because there's gas and there's paying the people that work for you and there's food and there's you know There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, Yeah,
0: I mean, it's especially important for like bands. um, I guess I I feel like of your size, I feel like the size that you're on, like, I feel like you all have gotten to a point where you're playing like what I would say, like bigger towards within our orbit, but you're still potentially like the opener on a big package.
2: Oh, yeah, we're not making a ton (laughs) of money. And
0: those, I would, I wonder if people realize how little those kind of openers to big packages get
2: or have no idea
0: uh, <laughs> we don't have to get into what the numbers are but they're not great
2: they're you not they're usually not great thankfully the bands we toured with this year paid openers a uh, fair amount i will say yeah It's not like you hear stories of bands who are, like, paying $100 to their Come on.
0: I mean, I've heard pretty recent stories of uh, packages doing that, and that seems to still be essentially a a standard. So it's not so much that I'm speaking ill of anything. it's just is how it is.
2: I will say that there is a band that we were offered shows with, a prominent band, a band whom I enjoy and they offered us $150 for a show and i was like you can fuck right out of here with that offer uh we're good uh that i don't care if it's industry standard or not like that's so fucked up but again that's a whole other that's a whole other thing i don't we don't need to get into the the deep darkness of the uh of the music industry we're just trying no
0: to, i mean who knows when shows will get back so let's just
2: burn everything yeah, it, let's burn it all down <laughs> No, it's, you know, it's all weird. It's it's a weird thing. I also think, just to tie up the merch conversation, it's a lot different, like, if we were giving you fucking Gildan shirts, uh, you know, I, that's the worst you'll see a band. And they're like, $40 for, you'll be at a festival, be like, $45, $40 for a shirt, and you grab it, and it's fucking Gildan, like, done in a backyard somewhere, and you're like, come on, man. Like, printed in a backyard, not made in a backyard, obviously. Made by fucking Children somewhere probably. Yeah. Um, and it's disguise. Yeah. You're just like, Jesus. Um, I love
0: the kind of generational divides on t shirts though. Um, like I have younger friends that swear by wearing Guildens. You know, like it's like it's not my prefer I'll wear a gildan and I'll wear it like a bigger like I'll wear like a large gildan so it's not like that weird cardboardy thing. Yeah. You know? But it's like, it's like around the age that we both are like, I I feel like it's like, it's a, it's a different shirt. You know, it's not like even American apparel. Like I'm trying to think like what probably our,
2: Uh, our
0: generation shirt,
2: canvas or whatever or
3: whatever,
2: (laughs) (laughs) whatever those those brands are. Um, I don't know. It's all bad. Like, let's not also get around the fact that our primary job is to drive around and sell t-shirts and pieces of plastic to people.
1: Are you stuck at home and need new records, but it doesn't feel safe to venture out, or you don't want to support big box stores? Go to lunchboxrecords.com for the best new releases and a whole lot more. If you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can do safe pickup, but if you live elsewhere in the United States, they'd be happy to ship to you. At checkout, just enter discount code SPINNINGOUT for 10% off. Come on, you love new music, so trust me, it's easy.
0: Welcome back. Thanks again to Dylan Slocum. Pick up the new Spanish Love Songs album. I know it came out in February, but it's still new to me. Next week, we're talking to Ruben Polo of the band Soul Glo. We're chatting about Hey Mercedes' debut album, Every Night Fireworks. Listen to Soul Glo's newest release, Songs to Eat at the Sun, out now on Secret Voice Records and distributed by Deathwish Records. And, you know, Hey Mercedes. Check that out for next week, too. So hey y'all, uh, yeah, I don't know if you know, but 2020 was pretty weird. So 2021 has got to be better, right? <sighs> well, please wear a mask, be respectful of everyone's space, and just generally be safe out there. Thanks so much for the support. It means so much for y'all tuning in and, you know, just saying nice things. Feel free to email us at spinningoutpod at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. I love you all. Thanks to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod. Honestly, none of this would have been possible without you, and I sincerely mean that. You could actually do me and Sarah a favor by checking out our band, All Right. We released a record this year. Our band is called All Right. The album is I'm Doing This To Myself. It'd mean so much if you checked that out. And, you know drop a line at spinningoutpod at gmail.com let us know what you think and my other band Late Bloomer, we released an EP this year on 6131 Records it's called Tonight's No Good For Me check that out too only two songs so won't hold you up too long so you got two things to do before the end of the year check out the All Right record and check out the Late Bloomer EP and honestly whatever else we have up, check that out too that would mean a lot let me not hold you any longer Hit the theme. I